hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a very special bonus episode. Yes, you're probably thinking, hey, I don't usually have this pop up on my podcast feed on this day, but I just, I wanted to do a little extra bonus episode sort of just before Christmas as an early Christmas present and to thank everybody for their support for the show so far in 2020. And some of you may know I was part of a pop culture podcast with my good friend Holly Shortall which we're still asked about all the time. People, even this year, were like, hey, this story, um, we really need this covered by Popsest. <laughs> so myself and Holly have noticed that all year. And I just said, hey, you know, I've been looking to do an extra episode. We've been asked to come back for one off. Why not use this podcast platform that I have here to do that? And I'm so glad that we were able to make it happen in, you know, as an early Christmas gift. And as I said, as a thank you to all of you. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for your typical Real Housewives chats, we do touch on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills a little bit in this episode. But uh, it's mainly some pop culture chats and us checking in with each other. So I totally get if you are wondering where your housewives gossip is, but hopefully you'll enjoy this kind of diversion into other topics as well. Um, so yeah, do you know what? Without any further ado, here is your very special bonus episode. It's Holly Shortall joining me on Housewives and Me. My guest today is one half of a po- another podcast that I've done called Popsessed. Uh, she is an activist and an illustrator. As an illustrator, she has had her work shared by the likes of Kim Kardashian and Cosmopolitan magazine. And as an activist, she has been really vocal in supporting LGBT rights, both in Ireland and now in the UK, where she, of course, works with the amazing Manchester Pride. And she's a PR queen as well. <laughs> and one of my favourite people in the world and good friends, of course. Very excited to have for this special, like, sort of Christmas episode, sort of year rundown episode. It's Holly Shortall. Welcome. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. This, I feel like this, this feels like old times and also feels really new <laughs> and, like, exciting. I know. Well, every time we've ever recorded a podcast, we've been staring directly into each other's eyes, Where whereas now you're actually in a different country to me, so it is a bit unusual, isn't it? Yeah, actually, and you, we're also, we were hoping to use Zoom today and that has not worked out. So we're recording, but we can't see each other. And that's, it's weird. It's like you're a ghostly apparition, <laughs> the ghost of Christmas <laughs> present. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, just another thing that just hasn't worked this year, isn't it? It's just been a year of things not really going to plan. So nothing new there. God, ain't that the truth? I mean, how <laughs> are you doing and how is, because... Obviously, we talk when we're not doing this right now, but for a lot of people, maybe they haven't heard you in podcast land since you moved to the UK. So how has that been for you? Um, You know what? It's obviously not gone um, according to plan, like in any way, shape or form. <laughs> um, and it has been very difficult. It's been very challenging, but I've just um, moved into a new house with my lovely boyfriend here. Uh a nice in a nice quiet neighborhood which is lovely um and yes I feel like I'm kind of ending the year on a really positive note obviously I haven't you've not been over to see me um, I know not been able to have anybody over because of COVID so. guys it's not like I didn't yeah. knock over <laughs> and you haven't been over to see me <laughs> yeah it's just uh it's just been I know we're gonna get into a bit more but it's just been mad because um I'm very lucky now I have to say like you're 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 mm-hmm. the same as me we've got a big group of friends over here so I've at no stage have I felt alone it's been an unusual type of um emigration I think in that I moved over here because I had 
so many friends here and my boyfriend here whereas there's so many people who've moved abroad maybe at the start of this year or late last year who didn't know anybody um Mm -hmm. and and went straight you know went straight to working from home and and not being able to make friends or you know get acquainted with colleagues and stuff so in the grand scheme of things it's been absolutely shit but it definitely could have been a lot worse and how about you uh yeah i mean i think actually i like the way you summed up it's like it was crap but it could have been worse yeah i don't know i feel like i'm looking forward to kind of to see my family like well just my parents really like our christmas yeah. is always super small so i'm lucky that christmas won't be stressful in terms of oh we can't go and see some so because we kind of just hang out the three of us because my sister is in canada um i don't know this year has been hard like it's so much of what i was just part of my work slash social life is obviously on hold and i completely understand why i'm not one of those people who grows like why are they closing this i'm like i totally get why mm-hmm. but it was a huge adjustment like the I really think I was actually shell-shocked for the first three or four months of the lockdown. I think I only started to come out of it in at the tail end of the summer. And in September, I was like, okay. And even the idea for this only fully formed in my head in like September, October. And I was like, oh, I should do a podcast about Housewives. Like, if you'd asked me to do that in like April or May of this year, I would have been like, no, sorry, I'm having a depression nap and answering one email a day. Gotta yeah. go. <laughs> like, yeah. so... I don't know it's like I'm definitely in the grand scheme of things no there are people who have it far worse so I'm not trying to play the violin at all but it's been a big adjustment and there's been some good stuff along the way and some good moments but to say it's a challenge will be putting it mildly <laughs> yeah no I, I I definitely agree and like the thing I, I've said to anybody you know and I even I do say it to myself as well when you start doing the whole like oh, you know and I know I just did it the whole oh could it be it could be worse and other people have this it's being shit for everybody and it's not competition either it's not like oh mm. well she has it worse than me or they have it worse than me or you know he's going through not like there's no two people who are going through this situation this year in the same way and dealing with the same things like literally and I know like for example like you don't like I have a job like I have I have to get up in the morning and I have to go and sit at my desk and I have to have a Mm -hmm. shower and put you know put a bit of makeup on and brush my hair um and like log in and do calls and I have I work 40 odd hours a week and I've done that every single week since this happened um and that's probably, and I've been so lucky I wasn't furloughed and I was like so lucky, Connie, that I wasn't let go um, because mm. I wasn't even, I hadn't even passed my probation when this happened. I was only in the job six or seven weeks Gosh. and I really had to prove myself more than I ever would have had to have done in a normal situation. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's been, it has been challenging, but, uh, you know, as I said, you I can't imagine what it what it's like for people who don't have that kind of structure like yourself where there's like a kind of there's somebody's kind of above you that if you don't yeah. do something there's somebody yeah. gonna go well why isn't this done like that accountability and that like list of to do things every single day that like you just have to do um so I do I have to say I do really feel for freelancers and self-employed people um in this situation and also people who've had to actually like leave the house and go to work and yeah, not just God. get to, to stay at home you know it's just just so many people like you know with in different situations for for literally everybody um so yeah i mean onwards and upwards now with this vaccine fingers crossed talk it to me veins as they say um i'm ready <laughs> give it to tr- me if there's a trial going i'll do a trial i'll do the bleep trial i don't fucking care i'm point. probably the last down on the line now um to actually get it but i don't care I give it to everyone else first all the older people and the vulnerable people and then 
yeah hook it to my veins so we can get back to normal and i can see people like you who i miss so much i know god i mean i don't think I don't think I ever kind of like mentioned this in social media, but like me and my friend Jack, we had like, obviously you are friends with as well, um, had like had this whole hatch this plan with some of your Manchester friends to go over and see you, surprise you the weekend, like mid-March. And it mm-hmm. all coincided with our lockdown in the UK was obviously a couple weeks behind. And to think that like, I was like, off I go. <laughs> to think um, that I thought I'd go and surprise you for a weekend in Manchester. Like, honestly, I'm... We tough. have now, we've no idea. Like, that's the funny yeah. thing. And again, I know we're going to yeah. talk about a few more uh, kind of moments um, from from during the year. Like, and even looking back at March, I mean, yeah, I had my birthday was on the 6th of March. And that was really the weekend before, like, you guys went into lockdown, I think about 10 days after that. Was it around, around Paddy's 13th. Day or the day before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple of days before Paddy's Day. And of course, we were we were a week later. So, like, my birthday weekend, and I swear I've never regretted anything more. Because I remember, I mean, anybody who's ever listened to the podcast that we had together um, uh, over the last couple of years, Popsessed, would know how excited I was for my 30th, which was in 2019. And I, and I said to myself when I had that birthday, I said, I'm not going to wait till I'm 40 to have another big birthday I'm gonna have a big birthday every year um, for the rest of my life and then obviously I just moved over here and I just moved into a flat and I kind of was an arse so I just did like a china and wine which is where we have red wine and, and a Chinese with like 10 or 12 <laughs> friends and I've never regretted anything more don't get me wrong I had a great night but like I had no idea what was to come and if I'd known that that was going to be the last kind kind of like night out or big party yeah uh, honestly i would the police would have been called to the flat honestly if i'd known <laughs> if only i'd know but you know what you're like throwing a full tilt rave <laughs> oh, it's honestly. 9 a.m the next day keep her going gills <laughs> keep her loose keep her loose yeah so there's a lot of there's a lot oh of God. in hindsight this year but yeah very very that very that um so you're in the uk like the well nearly a year mm-hmm. what are like small because sometimes on twitter you'll mention like random little things yeah that are different like you've mentioned chippers are different in the uk and yes. even you'll often say oh the charity shops here have such different things like it's all commemorative plates of the royals mm-hmm. what oh, are yeah. some what are some things like small things about life in the uk that are very different to being in ireland oh uh, do you know what there's so many um one thing i have to say though is i love it over here and i know irish people are supposed to hate it and they're supposed to you know, it's just like <laughs> Brits out and whatever and I think that that obviously all has a very important there's an important conversation behind that and an important meaning but the people I've dealt with over here every day day to day are lovely they're lovely like the same way they are in Dublin and maybe that's a Manchester thing um but there's a there's a real reason that me and you love it over here and it is the people that are here and it's so welcoming and obviously it does have these lovely vibrant areas like you know the gay village and it's so supportive of arts and culture over here it's just a beautiful city so i'm just gonna say i love it um i love living here um some things uh greg's like there's (laughs) you can't take i'd say you can walk in manchester about probably 12 feet before you come to another Greg's like you'll walk past the Greg's and then you'll kind of go god no I'm not gonna have a sausage roll you kind of like you fight with yourself you're like no I'm not gonna have it and it's just it's so accessible like I have to say the junk food over here is so accessible it's it's insane like um everywhere you go like it's just pastries and Greg's and mcdonald's it's very heavy on kind of fast food which is fine there's obviously a market for that um but yeah there's like a greg's in the station in the train station and i'll talk myself out getting a sausage roll and then i I'll, i'm only walking six 
steps out of the station and there's another one. Uh, by the time <laughs> I get like there, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'll get a sausage roll. You know, kind of <laughs> and it's so cheap as well. Like, it's just so cheap to like eat over here. Um, the other thing is, is there's so many words that they just don't understand over here that we have. So like, like uh, my boyfriend has two little boys. And like, just say, for example, they were like, not good like i'd obviously say they were bold but they yes. said they don't know what that means like to that to british people bold it's like a font it's, it's a way to you know you change your font or bold it's your italic. bold like as in you're a bold you're brave and courageous and you're bold yeah and yeah where it's like they say naughty over here and i feel like <laughs> a bloody cock destroyer if i say that you know what i mean <laughs> Not, like, naughty like it's just so weird <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's a naughty boy <laughs> like it's just yeah i just i'm i'm not i'm not into using that word um and then also naughty. they say um what do i like so if we say giving out so i'd be like oh my mum gave mm-hmm. out to me because i didn't clean my room but like they they say telling off so like there's so yes. many things that like i just i can't be arsed explaining to people what I mean. So I just say the British version of it. So I'll just be like, oh, such and such gave me a telling off. And I just feel like such a Brit when I do it. (laughs) I hate it. Are you like, oh, she gave me a telling off. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a bloody queen or something saying it. And what's the other, oh yeah, yeah. Do you know what we Irish people say and British people do not say, um, will I? So say I was in a restaurant, Uh. I'd say, will I get the bill? And like my friends are just looking at me like, I don't know, will you? And I'm like, what? Yes. So they say, shall, shall I get the bill? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm not changing that though. I'm just converting everybody to, will I do this? Will I do that? But yeah, so this, oh, and also the way Irish people pronounce the word, the letter or. Ah. So it's R over here. So like if anyone asked, like what I'd say, say I said, I, I, I sometimes do PR. I have to say PR in work, not PR. They're like pure, pure what? <laughs> it's just so annoying. <laughs> I hadn't um, thought of that. Yeah, I hadn't thought of little things like that. But otherwise, I mean, you know, I think it's just a lot easier to live over here Um, just in terms of affordability and quality of life and what you're able to do with the money you get paid or whatever it is it just goes a little bit further and I just feel a lot less stressed here and I I do feel like there's a lot more opportunities over here you know um for people say in my field um I feel like the world is my oyster over here whereas I just couldn't see where I would go in Dublin you know one of the things one of the actually the big things that I and I love about this country and, and Manchester in particular everywhere you look is just so diverse and like I know that's a very like you know tokenistic word and it's like the big the big word of of, of the year but like my CEO is a gay black man do you know what I mean and like I just think that's amazing like because it means every single decision that is made for Manchester Pride is like made by a minority and a marginalized person you know what I mean and like I think that's really important to kind of have have that at the heart of like everything that an organization like the one that I work for does. Yeah, it feels like they're definitely further along in that regard. Yes. God, listen, this could this should be sponsored by the Manchester Tourism Board. This 
<laughs> I know sponsored by Andy Burnham. I know, I know. No, but I just mean it's just it's so much further along. There's still obviously so much to do, and we have so much to do as an organization ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not to keep harping on about work, but like I obviously don't have a huge amount of other else going on in my life at the moment. But I just mean it's it's uh yeah, it's just it's a it's it's a lot further along. It really is. Um and and the saddest thing about it is it is actually quite a racist country, obviously, you know, as everybody knows. And it's like it can't like, you know, it's one of the best things it has going for it is is how diverse it is and, and the multiculturalism, which is it's interesting to me that people just can't see that in, like in front of their eyes. You know what I mean? But as you said, that's a different podcast for a different day. <laughs> that's our spin-off, spin-off, spin-off. <laughs> now this is ups- this is ostensibly a podcast about Real Housewives. Obviously, we're having a chat as sort of a little Christmas bonus for people and to do something fun. Mm-hmm. But I do want to delve into Housewives just a tad because mm-hmm. You did dip your tone at this year and that obviously excited me greatly because I love finding out people watch when it's someone I'm very close with. I'm like, okay. So let me, I want to check. You've watched the two seasons of Beverly Hills that were on Netflix. Is that right? I did. Yeah. I've watched the two of those. All right. Okay. What were, because you're someone who is a bit of a reality TV connoisseur. So I'm just Mm -hmm. curious, how did you feel about Housewives and you watched it and how does it stack up to other uh, reality shows? You know, I think what I really liked about it was that, or what I found really interesting, obviously I didn't like it enough to continue watching uh, after the two seasons. I I haven't got there just yet. I wasn't, uh, there's just so many things I just didn't get around to this year, you know yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. But when when I watched that particular season, which is obviously the first season, um, is 10 years old. And it was probably 10 years old. I think it started in like March or April in 2010. So it was literally like the 10 year anniversary of when I was watching it. And I think it was really interesting um, how kind of, I mean, I know it's called The Real Housewives, but how real it did actually feel um, in terms of like the, the, the drama. And it didn't feel like, scripted to a degree it felt very like Kyle and Kim for example the sisters who were like like at each other's necks constantly like that that was real whereas if you were to compare that to like Kardashian's current kind of seasons where they're clearly like scripting all of these arguments between the sisters just for something to do it just felt so much more authentic when you're watching like a 10 year old reality tv show um it just felt like the everything that was happening and it was very real like including obviously you know this horrible situation that like taylor was going through Mm -hmm. um obviously like i'm i follow celebrity and i know now that like kelsey Grammer, for example has a whole new family and he has children who are like i don't know like probably you know under 10 but like yeah they're they're growing up like yeah whereas like he's married to his um his first wife, Camille, uh, or well, I don't know if that's his first wife, it might be a second, but his wife anyway, Camille um, Grammer yeah. in the show, that's obviously documenting kind of the, you know, end of their marriage and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it was it's interesting because it was like a time capsule in a way. Um, and then also, it was really interesting seeing where all the memes came from. <laughs> yes, I was going to, yes. Yeah, so all these memes like, um, the Taylor, you know, Taylor being kind of held back and she's pointing and then that's obviously being reimagined with this cat sitting at the dinner table. <laughs> now, I had no clear what that was about. And I suppose when you do watch it, you're like, oh, that's not actually really funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, know, it's actually a really serious situation. That was horrible. Yeah, no, that's funny. Yeah, that's so true. The the way it's kind of seeped into pop culture and internet culture without even realising is really funny. Even like that first season argument between Kyle and Camille where 
Kyle calls her such a fucking liar, Camille. Like that's <laughs> been a gif people have used for years. And yeah, I got it. It's, it's just funny as well. This year watching people, as you say, watch something from 10 years ago. And I'm like, it's like people would treat things like, wow, what's going to happen with Taylor and Russell? I was like, don't Google it. <laughs> don't Google don't, it. Don't it's Google not that. cute. It's not something I would Google. It's a bit grim, all right. And I think as well, like, just I don't really like, with the exception of Kyle. I think the men come across really bad in it. Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot of the marriages in it seem very loveless, um, and the relationships in it, which is like quite sad. Um, but I do think Kyle and her husband seemed really happy, and they've obviously got like a cute little family and stuff. But yeah it's kind of it's just kind of sad it's just um these people have so much they've got so much money but all they do is just fight and argue and kind of kill each other for what i don't mean sorry i shouldn't have said kill each other but you know what i mean like just um their lives are kind of just sad so it is interesting following it um and then i think was it season two that um what's her name uh brandy glanville yes so she came in, in, I believe, season two, or was it the end of season one? I I want to say season two, she came in to stir the pot a bit, yeah. I think she did. And stuff like that, to me, like, that's the scripted element of it, isn't it? It's like you're, you're planking somebody new in to kind of cause shit, but it's still, it still fe- feels like very authentic reality TV. Yeah, no, it is. It's just interesting. I, I don't envy their lives, though. I mean, I think when you'd look at, like, an advert for a TV show like that, or like a, like a you know picture of the girls in a magazine or whatever you'd be like oh god like I'd love that you know the $25,000 sunglasses um you know all the, the um I loved um the real tacky wedding that um Lisa Vanderpump put on for her daughter you know stuff like that but I don't know I think their lives just seem quite boring um I don't know I just think elements of it were just a little bit sad like the sisters fighting and stuff I'm loving you kind of subtly sort of read and I'm like I just think it's sad <laughs> yeah I, th- I think i think what, sorry, what, what, what i mean is it's like because i've never watched it i think i had an mm-hmm. idea in my head that it was just gonna be like all this like glitz and glamour but it's not it's like divorce people cheating on people like de- deals with suicide deals with the sisters you know um that's obviously like a legacy um you know between um kyle and kim there, there was actually a very uh i thought a very poetic moment in it that made me scream um that i'd never seen referenced before but it was when there was i think it was when uh lisa vanderpump was hosting some dinner in her restaurant sewer i think it's called uh kim and kyle kind of see each other for the first time i believe uh, kim is there with a new boyfriend and he was obviously trash as well um that fella she was seeing and um they kind of go into this back room to just the two girls to have this conversation and you know it's kind of like make up and and whatever and um there's this scene where like that you know they have their conversation and kyle takes her her lip gloss out of her bag and she opens it up and she puts it on her lips and she just hands it to to kim you know to like take it off her and to put it on her own lips and it was to me it was like this modern day uh kind of extension of an olive branch it was just (laughs) like it was so like as a this (laughs) yeah like as a girl who's got like friends who are girls and who's like falling out with girls and was a sister and whatever it's like i it was just amazing it was just so um poetic yeah but yeah the drama is amazing and don't get me wrong like it's they're ferocious like these women they are absolutely ferocious um but yeah i'll have to uh I think it's, is it the best one, would you say? 
I think the best ones for me are New York and Atlanta. They take a little bit longer to get going. When you're in with those, like they just have such interesting characters. But I do, I am obsessed with your visual of <laughs> the modern day Olive Branch. Oh, oh, honestly, I'll never forget it. I just remember going like, oh my gosh, I've definitely done that before. It's like a, like a piece, it's like a symbol of peace. Passing the open lip lip gloss uh, Here, over to the here's sister. a juicy tube. I yeah. forgive you. <laughs> I think as well watching it, it's like kind of when you watch Sex and the City, like it's so white as well. Mm. And I just feel like it would just be probably different if they were like to start that now. Um, oh, for sure, they've definitely been diversifying all the housewife shows. I mean, Garcelle Beauvais joined last year. She was the first black castmate that they've had in this season. It's a lady called Crystal Kung Minkoff, who's the first Asian American woman to take part in, on Beverly Hills. So they're all kind of, I think, waking up to what it looks like that some of the cast are just purely. And their world, like they never seem to have friends who don't on some level just kind of look like them. And that always wigs me out, particularly in like when we watch New York and you're like, New York is one of the most diverse cities in the world. Like how how is that not just part of your life that you, your friend group in your world is, is a kind of a mixed group of people? But you know what? It was it was one of those um, binge watches that like definitely got me through a dark weekend during lockdown where we there was like weeks here where we just didn't even leave the house. So it definitely uh, definitely ticked that box for sure. I must get back into it now. I I, I definitely um, I would like to see where it goes for sure. Like I I obviously followed again with with the similar um, uh, with Camille and, and Kelsey. I would know all about. Uh, Leanne Rhymes and all that kind of drama with Brandy Glanville. So, so again, it's interesting seeing all those like celebrity stories that you would have heard about playing out in like real life, um, you know, through, through, but it's again, you're watching it through a 10 year old tele- television show. So I suppose it would probably be worth my while to, uh, to have a little catch up and see where it goes. Oh my God. If you become a full tilt <laughs> next year, oh I've become God, a full tilt like bloody housewife myself, honestly. <laughs> Oh my god! So you mentioned that um that kind of got you through lockdown. So obviously at this time of year, everybody does their faves of twenty twenty, and we kind of thought we would do the same here, just just because in the spirit of Christmas and all that, it was a bit of fun. So I'm just curious, like what telly stuff, maybe films as well. Although I feel like with the year we've had, mo- it was mostly telly. Let's be honest. Like we've got a few branches of pop culture, but with telly, was there any particular things that you really? got you through kept you going week to week that you were looking forward to etc yeah I think um definitely uh Emily in Paris um <sighs> little yes. fires everywhere um and then this is us and bake off and then drag race as well kind of at the that was more so at the beginning of lockdown but I think there was kind of there was like two strands of uh telly watching during the pandemic for me or I suppose it's, I mean we're still in the pandemic but you know during the kind of start mm-hmm. of lockdown and it was the kind of binge watching and then it was like the very much so like event-based ritual of it's on on Saturday morning or it's bake-off it's on on Tuesday at eight o'clock um where you kind of had to wait for it and it became like the fucking highlight of your week Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because there was just nothing else to do, only get up and make a big breakfast and watch Drag Race and, um, you know, just whatever it was. Or or then the other one was discovering a show like uh, Little Fires Everywhere and binging 16 hours of it over two and a half days. 
<laughs> so you're right. It was I know it was the extremes, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the drip feed of like one hour a week and you build up to it or it was like don't talk to me for eight hours I'm going to finish this this afternoon kind of thing there was no in between do you know what I mean there just wasn't I feel like we need to just for a moment acknowledge the beauty that was Emily in Paris because I was like oh god I'm not going to watch that it looks so shit and then it was like it's so awful but you can't look away I was like fine I'll see what all the fuss is about and then about three episodes in, I was like, hook it to my veins. I would literally watch 35 episodes of this if they had them. You know what? That show changed my life this year. I'm not even joking. <laughs> like, I can't remember when I watched it. I think it was, was it Oct- around October? I I want to say it came out September, October. It definitely was like, I feel like here it was like around the time we were headed into lockdown again. Um, <laughs> is that you typing? That's me typing. <laughs> the sound effect. <laughs> Hang on. It's, it sounds like I somewhere. <laughs> Scream. Hang on. <laughs> October. Second of October. Right. So I just want to say, first of all, if you're one of those people I've seen on Twitter who's like, ugh, I wouldn't watch that. If you think you're too good for Emily in Paris, let me tell you something. You're not. Because it is absolutely amazing and you will not regret watching it. Um, The reason I say that is potentially because Emily worked in a similar uh, job role as myself. So she was kind of marketing, social, uh, PR exec now i'm obviously manager so i would have been the staff above but anyway um <laughs> no, joking, reading but... emily in paris you don't you want what i have sweetie. <laughs> um and she obviously emigrated as well this year we'll say um so she went to paris i obviously went to manchester so there was a couple of like parallels there already um she obviously has like a full Chanel wardrobe. I've been living in tracksuits for the last 10 months, but we won't put too fine a point on that. But what I will say is I, when in work, we uh, delivered kind of an online um, festival because we didn't want to just do nothing. And it was amazing. And it, and it happened over the two or three days that the typical festival um, would have happened on. But of course it was all uh, delivered online and there was just so much work involved in that. Um, obviously we're on like a reduced team and you know, people are on reduced hours and we've never done anything like that before. So it was an immense um, undertaking. But when it was all over, it was kind of like, oh my, right, okay. So like what's next? What do I do now? Cause this is my first year in the job. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, well, that's done now. I've been working so, so many hours to get this done. And then I think when I watched we kind of had a bit of a downtime in September and then I was like, "Why? Well, what am I going to do now in work, you know? And and then I watched Emily in Paris and it genuinely, her kind of how vivacious and confident um, she was and then like how she was so confident in like just standing up in a meeting and just putting ideas forward and just going, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And I was like, like I, that's what I need to do. It was like a kick oh up the eyes. It was literally like a kick oh up the eyes. It was like, she's there creating all this work for herself and coming up with all these campaigns. And I was like, that's what I need to do. Like I need to channel my inner Emily in Paris and start writing up all these proposals and, you know, suggesting this and what about that? And why don't we do this series of that? Or, you know, putting plans in for stuff to do next year or whatever. And I, I really needed it. Like I needed to see that TV show. Uh, and also as well, like I said, I've been kind of living in tracksuits and I just kind of lost maybe like a little sense of like my own personal style because I've had nowhere to go. 
and nothing to do for the last kind of 10, 11 months. And, you know, I was like, took on a few bits, got a few berets, you know, a bit of red lippy, a few packets of eyelashes. And yeah, I loved it. It was what it invigorated me in October. And I've had a fantastic last kind of three months of work. And I'm not saying it's to do with Emily in Paris, but it was really like to a degree. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Holly and Madge coming to Netflix 2022. <laughs> Can you imagine? I know, but it's so, it's so unusual to watch a show like that where the main star is not this meek little, you know, uh, girl who's being walked all over by the, you know, Parisian fashion boss or whatever, marketing boss, whatever it is. Like, she fully was like, now fuck you. Like, this is me. I'm not changing. And she was so confident and stuff. So, yeah, no, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Watched it in one night con myself and my house, my Harry. So it's funny because my friend Jack has been living with me here. Obviously, he's your friend as well. And we were actually trying to space out the episodes because <laughs> we both had that thing of first one went down. We're like, oh, that's not great. Second, we're like, mm, I kind of want to see where it goes. Third or fourth, we're like, now we need to ration these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We were like, hold on. We need to wait till tomorrow to watch two more because otherwise we will just run out. Like, I, I don't think I had the, uh, I don't think I had the come to Jesus moment that you had because of it. But I did find there was something really comforting about how, particularly because obviously it had been shot pre-pandemic, so it had like crowd scenes and a bustling city and like things that we just are kind of mm-hmm. on hold anyway. Mm-hmm. But it just had that kind of like, it had feel good factor, it, like visually the clothes are great. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I actually didn't think it was, I actually thought some of the scripting could have been better. I kind of wanted some of the jokes and that stuff to land better. But there was just, it was like a souffle. It was just so easy to get lost in and it was like, it just, it, 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 I think actually, I know you had a very specific response to it, but I do think it came, I think it came at a good time for everybody in that, like, the nights were getting darker and we we kind of knew there wasn't as much real life fun on the horizon. So something like Emily in Paris, just, it's a lift. I mean, apparently they're doing a second season, so I hope they can, it can still look and feel like the show did pre-pandemic because it is visually so much fun. It is. It's gorgeous. And I think they can absolutely... I think, you know, as you said, some of the jokes didn't land, but I think they need to like lean into that and that they need to lean into how people have received it, which is, you know, that it was, as you said, just a bit of fun. It wasn't Sex of the City and it wasn't, you know, some highly, you know, uh, amazing, incredible piece of television, but it was just like that fluffy escapism that, yeah, people need that at the moment. So I'm hoping they just continue. I mean, it did leave end on a bit of a cliffhanger, like to be fair. Um, yeah. So I'm, I am interested to see, uh, to see where it goes. But yeah, no, I just think, just bloody watch it. Do you know what I mean? So many people have a bee in their bonnet and they haven't even seen it. I'm just watch it and enjoy it like, over I'm cur- yeah I'm curious if anyone will sit down and um we'll sit down and like fly through it over Christmas because I'd say actually be really fun to watch on like sorry S- Stevens's day Stevens's but as you would day. call it Boxing Day <laughs> sorry Hall um like it's that kind of a show so I could see I could because I remember like about a month after it aired you go on the Netflix app like I don't know about in the UK but in Ireland it was still one of the top ten shows like weeks later and usually shows don't hang around that top ten that long because there's so much stuff on Netflix. I was like people are actually either going back to this or people who didn't think they'd watch it are now watching it. Like it had a shelf life past most Netflix shows. Deserved. <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait for your cameo in the next season that, that needs to happen. Oh, do you know what? 
she she's living she's living my dream life isn't she she's she's doing what i thought i was going to spend this year doing but i got, I got the 2020 manchester edit but she look <laughs> emily in paris is doing what the other girls wish they were doing <laughs> literally <laughs> Oh my god, oh. I'm screaming. I love what you said about Drag Race. That was definitely, like, there was, there's a few things. I'll run through it very quickly, a few mm. bits that I was obsessed with this year. There's an American show called Vida, which is about two sisters who go back to this kind of very, like, they're Mexican-American and they go back to the, where they grew up when their mum died, stick over a bar that she owned. Mm-hmm. And it's this really smart, funny, kind of, like, they're half-hour episodes. It's comedy drama, loads of queer characters. It's one of those shows where I'm actually rationing out, like, I'm halfway through the second season, there's one season left, and I'm like, oh, no, no, wait a week or two and watch, like, six of them. So you want a, a show that has good LGBT characters, that's one to check out. I'm obsessed with Pen15, which is this American comedy show about two... 13 year old girls in the year 2000 but they're played by two grown women who are 33 now and because I was that age and that year it mm. is honestly like reliving my teen years I, I, I cannot look away it is so funny oh it sounds if good pe- yeah it's I think it's on Sky Comedy in the UK that's where I watched it anyway it's on the RT player for people listening in Ireland um, another show if you loved Emily in Paris Younger is created by the same main person Darren Starr and it has a very similar vibe I'd actually wager it's a little bit better in terms of it's a mm-hmm. bit funnier but it's that kind of like fluffy like 20 minute long episode it's set in New York great clothes like it, everything it always kind of ends on a nice little like oh watch one more so if you wanted an Emily in Paris vibe yeah Younger is in that family obviously this is a Real Housewives podcast Real Housewives of Potomac <laughs> stunning absolutely amazing <laughs> Um, Insecure season four was amazing. Black Lady Sketch Show was some of the funniest telly I watched this year. Oh my, like there's a few of the bits and bobs of it on YouTube. There's one sketch called The Basic Bitch Ball, which is like a play on, say, the kind of balls and nightlife scene you'd see in shows like Pose, but instead of like glamorous fashion, all the categories are like sweatpants you've worn for the last 15 years and go like it ended up it's one of those sketches that actually speaks so much to 2020 and they recorded it way before and if you love drag race there's a show called we're here that has bob the drag queen eureka and shangela travel around the u.s and like basically land in a small town and help them put on a drag show the and it's kind of a play on the makeover format that's it, it brings new life to it and it feels like a fun twist on that makeover format because like I wasn't a fan of Queer Eye for example but I feel like what this show did is such a kick in the like the arse for that format and you get to watch a drag show at the end of every episode which is we also couldn't do this year so stunning that is worth a, ch- a watch if you're a drag fan so those are some of my highlights but Emily in Paris was one of mine as well <laughs> oh it was so good um I also loved Little Fires Everywhere have you seen that yes I've started I've watched like the first three but I want to go back because it reminds me of Big Little Lies and the Undoings I think I need to finish it you haven't seen it finished it no I just it's on Amazon Prime which I don't uh, use all the time so I'm yeah. just like I need to go I do want to finish it because I have no idea where it goes I'm like I need to finish find out what happens here it's so good I have to say not to, and I won't go on about it, but it was the first time I've ever watched a show and realised that I didn't actually have to like anybody in it. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Yes. And I'd never, I'd never, that had never happened to me before. Normally there's kind of a goodie and a baddie or, you know, there's two people clashing and you're meant to be on one person's side. But everybody was just as equally unlikable, um, pretty much as the next person in it, which was interesting. Um, And I've just caught up to date uh which i'm completely devastated about um with this is us which is also on prime um it's there's five and a half seasons available they stopped um for thanksgiving and 
they're not going to be back until January or something. But oh that's, my God. have you seen This Is Us? I watched the first three oh episodes of season one and I liked it, but I didn't love it. But I've noticed that you mentioned you were going to start watching it like maybe what's four or five weeks ago. Oh yeah, and I was hung over as well. Yeah, um, and I was like, well, A, bad idea to watch it today. And B, I didn't realise you'd gotten all the way up to season five. Oh yeah, I haven't stopped watching it. I'm, me and Harry, me and Harry watched it. And then obviously I've I've moved in with my boyfriend now. And um, he's like, Ollie, why are you watching this again? Because I'd be in bits watching, like sobbing, like properly sobbing. like. Um, but no, it's, it's fantastic. And again, if you're just looking for something to get you through, like the next, you know, four to six weeks or whatever it is it's amazing just because there's so many episodes there's 18 episodes per season um they're like an hour long or whatever so it's just it's a really good one for binging just as i said just to get you through um to, to next year definitely and to just cry 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 until you can't cry anymore <laughs> i didn't know it was actually busy i didn't know a body could hold as many tears <laughs> As we're being released from my eyes when we watched the um, season one finale, we were choking me and Harry. We were holding hands and we were literally choking. <laughs> um, obviously, like a few weeks ago, everybody got their Spotify wrapped mm. and it made us all realize what we had on repeat uh, on music streaming services and all that kind of thing this year. And, and it was a year where there were so many banging like dance pop songs and we couldn't feckin' go out to dance them, which was a real pain in the hole. Um, what were some of the, to put it mildly, what were some of like the pop music highlights of this year for you? Um, I, like, I think Chromatica, the late, like Lady Gaga's album, um, came at a time when people really, really, really needed it. Um, mm-hmm. I know she, she had held off on, on releasing the album for I think quite a number of weeks. I think it was originally meant to be out in March or something, and then it didn't come out till the end of May. Um, mm-hmm. But she was dead right because I think people at that stage just needed. She could have released a video or an album of her fucking farting down into a microphone, and people would have lost their reason because we were just looking for anything at that stage. Um, but the album was phenomenal. Um, myself and like we myself and harry had it on for <laughs> months um weeks and months uh listening to it and we'd a night in because um dan was my boyfriend was in our bubble in the flat and we had a night in where we'd a few drinks and we made him sit through the entire album and rate each song um, so <laughs> and then came you up. made him a twitter gay for yeah. just the evening <laughs> yeah and then oh he, he hated it he was like traumatized by that night um but yeah we had so much fun with it and obviously the the connection with ariana to manchester i know the the rain on me which was obviously released on the 22nd um that kind of had a, a special connection here for for people and you know more importantly people that we know um our friends mm-hmm. and yeah so that to me was my um you know my second favorite album this year but my favorite album this year and i'm not just saying this because he's one of my friends or one of our friends is um black country disco um thomas paul like no words it's just phenomenal it's such a great like if for anyone who hasn't heard it tom is like independently releasing like these great kind of synth pop disco pop dance pop bangers and he put out an album this year it's very lean and to the point it's like half an hour long it kind of has a through line of story it's like he goes through a breakup moves back home to a small town in the midlands in the uk and he kind of finds himself again and it's like a story album but there's dance pop songs in it it's and it's one of those albums where like i might not listen to for a week or two and one of the songs will just float into my head for no reason you're like this is stuck like i mean his song 
WM, which is about the West Midlands. I had to ask him what the WM. So was did I. What's the WM? That came out like the song came out ahead of the album, and that came out when we were in the peak of lockdown here, and I had it on my like gym playlist, which was just my running playlist because I obviously wasn't in a gym at that time. And I was jogging down Grafton Street, which is obviously like the main shopping street in Dublin, but it was completely empty because at this point nothing was open. And I lived like 10 minutes away. I was like, Mm. it's safer for me to jog down this empty street than it is try and find the canal or whatever. Mm. And I was just like, something about listening to this song about like going back home to your small town and things have changed while you're jogging down an empty street. It's like one of my lockdown memories because it was just so weird, like in a good way, obviously, but it was surreal. Yeah, like I and I, as I said, like he is a friend of ours, a good friend of ours, both of us. Um, but I'm honestly just so proud of him because I know when friends do things, there's kind of an element of like, you know, I probably didn't listen to it for a week or so after it came out because I just didn't have the time and I have to be in a certain mood to do, you know, to give something my all. Like so, I said to yeah. Harry one one one. I think it was a Saturday and the sun was shining and it was really it was a lovely day. We were having a drink, glass of sec, and I said. Um, I said, oh, I said, oh, should we stick Tom's new album on? And he said, yeah. So we put it on the Spotify and played it through the TV. And the two of us were just looking at each other like, this is actually fucking amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. we're not just saying that because we have to. Like, this is actually phenomenal. Um, And we have, like, I'll be listening, like you said, to Spotify and Wrapped. Like, every second song is from the album. And to me, it's, I don't even think that it's Tom anymore because it's just, you know, a Lady Gaga song will come on and then Little Mix and then do a Lipa and then, you know, pussycat dolls or whatever and then you know tom comes on and then something else comes on and then tom comes on it's like it's just another bop (laughs) it's just another bop in a year of bops the year of bops is one way of putting it for sure i I mean lady gaga was definitely up there for me tom was up there for me jesse wears album watch your pleasure stunning like grown-up kind of smart sexy like disco pop album and like i've been a fan of hers for a while but I feel like she really found her groove again this year. So something really satisfying is that as a long-term fan to rediscover her as an artist, but also just, it just was an amazing album front to back. The fact that I haven't been able to like go see her at a festival at three in the morning screaming along is a great injustice of this year. Um, I agree with you about Gaga as well. Dua Lipa, I mean, like the second album, Future Nostalgia, came out like, what, two weeks into? Like kind of at the start of the first lockdown. Yes. And I loved that album and I loved the singles off of it and then and I know this didn't go down well with everyone but I loved Club Future Nostalgia the remix album like I actually at one point was playing that more like than I did the first version of it so like between the two albums she put out this year I had a lot of Dua on my playlist <laughs> I actually haven't listened I don't think I've listened to the the full album I've heard a couple of songs from it but um the, the remix is it remix is that what she said to album yeah, there's a remix album as well, yeah. Um, I haven't listened to that, but I have listened to Future Nostalgia, as I call it. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really good. I personally think for me, it came out at the wrong time. I think that she could have pushed it out by maybe another couple of weeks to when people were like desperate. Um, but it came out as everything was kind of closing down and... Yeah, it got lost to me, it, I, and I don't get me wrong. As I said I love it, and I know everybody loves it, and it's one of the biggest albums um, of the year. But I don't think it's has it had the same impact as as Chromatica. Maybe it's that that's just my own personal radar. Um, I don't wanna, I don't want to do a stance um, after me. But cancel her. <laughs> I just we didn't we definitely didn't have a plane in the flat like every weekend like we did with that uh, with with other albums. It yeah, just... it's funny, actually, because the UK was a solid two weeks behind Ireland in terms of closing down. And I actually think because we were 
further along we actually i personally feel like i was more ready for it but that's actually a good way of looking at it that the timing for everything this year was so dependent on whether people have been inside for two weeks or four weeks Mm. or could they maybe actually go to the park and sit outside like so this was such a weird year for like releasing things and putting things out into the universe but as you say it was still a year of bops and for that I'm grateful (laughs) it was we were blessed this year musically anyway (laughs) so we had bops this year we did have as we discussed lots of telly that took us out of our out of our misery for a moment but pop culture and celebs is here. I mean, it's so funny. Like, we're very lucky in that Popsess has been, like, on hiatus, shall we say, for a while. And people are always, whenever something happens, <laughs> invariably we get at least one tweet where someone goes, well, you do a Popsess on this, so you just come back for one week to talk about blah de blah and so-and-so. I know, every week. And there were every week. And there was one moment, well, there was a couple of moments this year where I did actually think to myself, what a wonderful no uh, <laughs> there were there were there were a couple of moments this year where I definitely kind of went god me and Hall would have had a field day with this and the two <laughs> like just there were like it did happen there were two kind of celeb blunders that felt very specific to this year that I mm-hmm. thought god we would have just ate up they were Something that happened early on in lockdown, the Imagine video, and then what happened in, I think, September, October, Kim Kardashian's 40th birthday. So obviously we have late March, a load of celebs led by Gal Gadot, <laughs> our Wonder Woman fame, oh. seeing John Legend's Imagine earnestly to camera to raise our spirits. And of course, there was a wider trend of like people singing songs and clapping and all this stuff to try and make us feel better. And of course, clapping for, you know, health workers is great and all, but I mean, the celebs trying to make us feel good was a bit naff. And then later on in the year, Kim K revealed she had gone to an island for her 40th with 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever of her closest friends and it all quarantined and tested and it was just like normal times. And I'm so aware of my privilege, but it was great. So the Imagine video, <laughs> I just... Like, you've got Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, Jamie Dornan, Jimmy Fallon, Natalie Portman, Chris O'Dowd, see it. So many people. I still, just seeing the words, the Imagine video makes my skin crawl. Like, I could wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night thinking about how awful it was. Do you know what? I have to say, it did do one good thing. And that was, I just felt like it was probably one of the first times I've ever seen the entire world united. But it was... (laughs) united in its absolute fucking hatred um i genuinely did not see a single positive thing said about um this video and like you're reeling off the names there There there's like what one two maybe actual professional singers um between them the rest of it was just like imagine there's like it's just (laughs) no one wants to hear that we're all struggling at the moment like do something useful do something worthwhile with your time open your purse you know i know that's been said a lot this year just oh shut up and open your purse and donate money somewhere nobody needed this video absolutely nobody that's so true and i think a lot of the reaction started out with okay so you've just done this video to make us feel better like why didn't you just donate to like you know an organization that needs it or a group of people or something like that but yeah in a funny way the way we all like 
Gal Gadot kind of said in October, she was on the cover of Vanity Fair and she was like, I meant to do something good and pure and it didn't transcend. And she kind of said basically her intention wasn't read. But in a, she was like, obviously like, I'm going to lift everyone's spirit. And in a roundabout way, she kind of did because she raised our spirits and that we all, as you say, joined in derision and went, that's a load of shit. Ah, jays. Like we were all laughing at it. So in a funny way, <laughs> like mission accomplished. Like I know. You did you kind of brought us together <laughs> I guess she really thought she did something like honestly it was such like a, just like a flagrant ugh, I can't like just a display of like celebrity do you know what I mean like they're just so far removed from everyday normal life and like the thing I, I, I'm i pretty sure it didn't even have like a call to action you know it wasn't like right we've just sung this song now you do a version of it or you know hashtag imagine donate to this cause or it was literally just the video like it was just so bizarre like there was no it wasn't like an initiative or a campaign it was like they actually just did this for no reason i like that was the most <laughs> bizarre thing about it there was no reason for it like um and it I've seen so many people going like tweeting being like the Imagine video was this year like it's it's it just it feels like it, I, mean, I would rather forget about it but it just feels so long ago um but yeah now it's that's something we can leave in 2020 for sure <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how in a way though in years to come if someone says to you remember the Imagine video you'll flash <laughs> right back to the start of lockdown like it all come flooding back isn't that wild yeah oh yeah <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> there were a lot of celebs who really put their foot in it. Like I remember early on in the pandemic, Vanessa Hutchins went viral for all the wrong reasons because she was like, mm, "Is it that bad?" And like Madonna, oh God, I mean, I don't know how she came back from this. Madonna lying in a bath full of petals and rose water, going, "It's the great equalizer." Like there was just so many clangers from stars like throughout the year who just. Who just didn't know how to read the room. And I'm also like, you need to start running your social media by someone else before you put this stuff up. Yeah, there was. But then there's also like, there's an element of me also thinking that like, at the end of the day, like celebrities are human beings. Like they, and I know, you know, I remember tweeting like celebrities saying we're all in the same boat. And then I was like their boat. And then the picture was like a yacht. You know what I mean? Like compared to like the rest of us are basically you know when a bloody blow up dinghy um you know <laughs> when you kind of compare it but like I do think there was an element of like I know Sam Smith like they kind of posted this I think it was like a series of images um of them kind of pretending to cry and you know just saying how awful it was and I know people love to vilify um Sam Smith unfortunately uh you know which is all often kind of unfair but like to me like okay yeah they obviously do have loads of money in you know and have a privileged life but like like we were saying earlier like the lockdown is shit for everybody at the same time like you can't do anything you can't go anywhere so there's kind of to me like there's two sides of it but it is there's a lot of of reading the room involved in how people put that across um you know and there's kind of being witty and funny about it and then there's just being like i know we're going to talk about kim like just read the room like nobody needed to know or see about like see that or know about that party at all exactly exactly and actually i remember i did feel a little bit bad for sam smith in that one of the posts that they did was i think meant to be tongue-in-cheek like Mm -hmm. god aren't things a bit shit and like i noticed the people who really seized on that and made it a thing where they made sam out to be really 
tone deaf in this thing were outlets that kind of go after like people who they see as different or trans people or non-binary people and I remember thinking there was one particular one I won't name their name because I don't want to even they're the kind of person searches their name on Twitter so I'm not even going to say their name now but one very well-known British comedian who made a point of banging on about how clueless that post was I was like well that person was clearly making a joke but you've decided you're going to make them out to be like an idiot Mm -hmm. and they're already an out non-binary figure in pop culture when there aren't that many of those people in mainstream media and they probably get enough hassle as it is so I actually yeah you're right at times I thought oh even the people who are trying to have a laugh at this are getting turned into like the villain and it's like can't we just agree the Imagine video sucked and go from there? Yeah. (laughs) Let's all focus on when we were all together. (laughs) You know, and I think allowances have to be made for like literally, again, regardless of your wealth, like people's mental states this year. Like I know I've been in bits at several stages this year. I mean, I haven't seen my my own family in it's nearly a year now. You know, I haven't had a single visitor coming over here and I'm, I'm a privileged person. Obviously I'm not a rich celebrity, but like I have it better than a lot of people and I've been seriously challenged this year so like there is an element of people just like for want of a better term just losing it a little bit this year and maybe not possessing the typical you know cognitive you know the understanding of what is acceptable and what's going to be perceived well and what's going to be what's going to be seen as funny or just kind of disrespect you know what I mean like just just not having the kind of wherewithal to kind of understand this situation because you know none of us have ever been through it at the same time but then there's other people like Rita Ora for example who's just just this flagrant disregard for for the rules and just going off and you know celebrities going having their birthday parties and oh everyone had a test before they came in (laughs) that's not how it works you know what I mean like that yeah if it was a case of that we'd all be off doing whatever we want but it does seem sometimes like it's one set of rules for them and one set of rules for us yeah for sure and i think no story underlined that more than the kim kardashian 40th birthday drama because she had turned 40 this year she had all kinds of you know there was a special episode of the of the reality show where there was a party for that and then she released you know part like birthday theme collections for skims and her makeup line and her perfume etc the big the big one though was her kind of island getaway with a ton of close friends where she <laughs> it just made me laugh because she posted on twitter and instagram and on twitter the caption became a meme format because people started saying stuff like so she said in her caption after two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine i surprised my closest inner circle with a trip to a private island where we could pretend things were normal for just a brief moment in time and that's <laughs> that became a meme because everyone started slagging her off or as you say deciding she had to share the news that she had this stunning you know birthday and i get that for for the kardashians in particular sharing stuff is sort of part of their business model but i remember thinking you didn't have to share this like you actually could have just not shared this at all yeah and i mean that's kind of a common theme for everyday citizens and celebrities i mean i don't know a single person you know who hasn't I mean, in in a, even in the simplest way of like, you know, the guideline is to stay two feet away from the next person beside you. There's not anybody really who could say that they've literally stuck to that, you know, in supermarkets and where, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's very, it is very strict and it's, you know, wash your hands for 20 seconds or whatever. Like there's so many things to follow all the time, um, you know, and I'm not particularly fond of COVID shaming um you know in the same way I wouldn't shame somebody if they you know acquired an STI or you know um 
any other kind of cold or, or flu. But I think when you are so uh, just, I don't know, on social media, like putting up pictures of you with like eight, eight your mates on a night out, like it's it's kind of like, okay, you've done that. You've gone and, and had that night out and you made that decision and you've decided to take that risk to put yourself and other people's lives at risk. However, did you really need to take the picture um, and post it? And I felt like this about Kim's birthday. It was like, right, okay, so you're saying you asked everybody. She said she asked everybody to quarantine. Did they? We don't know. She just said she asked them to quarantine. Um, And they've all been tested. Her closest inner circle, there was about 50 people there. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a big fucking circle. Um, And uh, yeah, it was just, you know, the pictures came a week after it happened. So you knew that they'd been shopped around the entirety of the Kardashian family and their personal um, face tuners to make sure everybody was happy with every element of them. And then they were posted. And I think people were just like, is she for real? Like, did we just go and have your party and go and get your test and have your 40th birthday party, whatever you're rich, you know, no one can stop you. We don't need to see that. Like nobody outside of her, you know, closest inner circle um, needed to uh to see any of that it was like it just a kick in the face for the rest of us who have you know been sitting on our beds for the last 10 months with cracked hip bones from working with our laptops on our knees like or people working in, out in the supermarkets and the shops and the hospitals and people who fucking two million people nearly are dead it's like just yeah read the room 2020 was just a year of people just not reading the room i think yeah and i think it's interesting in a way, it just shows up something that became apparent in March with the Imagine video and just became more and more apparent. There's always been a bit of a chasm between how celebrities act, the life they lead, the kind of adoration they get and the sort of the back and forth they have with us as an audience or as a public and how that changed in 2020 where some of them were trying to do things that before some people would have had issue with but other, say, fans or audience members would have lapped up and now the relationship has changed because the struggle is so very real for so many people in such a, like, as you mentioned, people who are on the front line or people who haven't seen family. And then to see, just realize, mm-hmm. just re- it just made you realize how big the gap is. And it also just made you realize that for the, particularly for, and like, I am no reality TV snob, but you're talking on a reality TV podcast. But when you're a reality star, your life is your job. Mm-hmm. And I think for that kind of a celebrity, there is a kind of plugging into like a jolt of attention that they need every like every 48 hours or oh like time, a basically hook it to my veins <laughs> like the burst of attention no for sure but like I, I thought it was really funny when she said I'm humbly reminded of how privileged my life is it's like if you actually knew how privileged you were there is no way on hell that you would have posted those pictures I mean it would be like me posting a photograph from me pay slip and being like I'm so lucky to still have a job I'm you know I just <laughs> got I just, murder you I just I just got, <laughs> if you did that yeah, I just got paid and it's you know uh, it's, so in moments like these I'm humbly reminded of how privileged my life is here's a photograph of everything I bought today and my pay slip it's like it's just one of those things where it's like no absolutely nobody needs to say that <laughs> For sure. I think it is. I I don't know. I still have an interest in pop culture and I'm always fascinated by the business side of celebrity and all that kind of thing. It definitely, it just reminds you that some of these people just don't give a fuck and that it's just such a a weird, like kind of vapid world a lot of them live in where they just think A, everything they say is of note and B, it's like, 
what I have to say, you know, matters and it will change the discourse or will make people feel better. And it's actually like, no, I don't want to know what you think about this or that. I just like, particularly if you're an, an artist, like do, go do great artistic things or donate your money to a great cause. Particularly when say Black Lives Matter was a huge talking point this year. I'm like, okay, great. If you want to mm-hmm. put your money into supporting groups around that or going to protest stunning that that boost that information mm-hmm. but being like my island getaway was a reminder of the little things it's like oh my god like also just like particularly in america not to get too political but their healthcare system is not very fair or equal or excess it's in bits one could say holly on the floor of <laughs> the house, the house representatives you're right guys it's in bits <laughs> it is I f- but um Sorry, go on. It, 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 like, there's so much wage inequality and healthcare inequality in America. And sometimes in general, when celebrities are like, we all got tested. It's like, do you know how expensive a COVID test like that will be from for other people? Like sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, and even there's still shows filming. Like you're talking about This Is Us. Like they would have COVID protocols and COVID tests, which is great because everyone's safe. But like, that's a level of safety and work that a lot of other people haven't had. So I don't know. It make would make you think this year now. It'd make you think. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what? I think everyone's going to come out this year, a new person and just with a whole new set, a lot of people, I think anyway, a whole new set of like priorities and values and, you know, just, yeah, I just think the celebrities are just not going to be, as you said, we all love pop culture. We'll all, you know, keep following it. But I think there'll they'll probably be a little bit more eyebrow raising, a little bit, you know, more, mm, did you need to share that? <laughs> Um, and yeah, it just for sure. a little bit less um, holding people up to such high esteem you know um, I think this is the year that the people who are keeping the supermarkets going and the people who work in the hospitals I think it's a year people realised that it's the people who are you know doing those jobs that are the, main, you know, the most important people in society really you know and, and they're the ones that need to be held to, to such high esteem so yeah, the celebrities found rotting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's the quote of the year. And before we before we finish, obviously there was pop culture stuff that gave us a lift. There was moments where we were like, "Are you fucking messing?" And there was hard stuff in there, obviously as well. And I'm aware asking this is a bit annoying because maybe people have achieved nothing this year, and that's totally fine. Were there any small things that you're grateful for and that you did actually achieve this year where you're like, you know what, 2020 was a sack of shit, but I'm glad these things happened? Yeah, like so many. I mean, I'm glad I moved here. Like, I don't regret it for a second. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that my relationship managed to sustain, you know, us not seeing each other for three months, uh, which sucked. Um, during lockdown, me and my boyfriend literally did not see each other once, um, in real in real life. And you know, now we're living together. Um, also, I had an amazing time living with my housemate Harry. I mean, we we really made the most of the lockdown. Um, whether it was sitting on the balcony and turning the telly around on a hot day and just watching music videos and drinking cocktails. Um, you know, to buying a bike that I ended up going on twice and going for a cycle or you know we were borrowing people's dogs and all sorts of stuff so um, yeah like I'm proud of myself that I got through this year and I didn't have a nervous breakdown which you know I'm sure plenty of people have and it's absolutely nothing to uh you know be ashamed of or anything like that but I just mean I'm I'm proud that I yeah I didn't go I didn't move home or give up on my job which was extremely challenging at times and I'm just glad I got through it Con and 
you know, I'm healthy and so many people, unfortunately, you know, were sick this year, we didn't make it. So I'm just, I'm just happy I'm still here. And I think I'm so much closer to my friends. I feel like you and I are probably closer than we've ever been in, 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 maybe not in physically, but emotionally and I feel like that with my family as well I actually feel like I'm closer to my family now so I'm just yeah I'm just happy I fucking got through it Con. just happy I got through it <laughs> honestly I was gonna say something similar like and I actually it's funny you say that because there were times this year I was like getting through it is is what we're meant to do mm-hmm. well, no, sorry not meant to do but like getting through is a job in itself getting through is an achievement because sometimes particularly the start of lockdown this whole like let's all bake banana bread and do 18 zoom quizzes and i was like no 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 no. i don't want to talk to anyone right now yeah i need to hibernate this is i'm like particularly because like i mean djing is on pause which is completely understandable and i get why but like i basically lost my job at 10 years overnight i was like i need to process that like i'm not gonna like and if that's what got people through it great like i made a point of leaving the house for a walk or a run or something every day and that little thing definitely kept me going so I'm grateful for stuff like that I'm grateful as you say just to be healthy like I mean I feel so bad for obviously people who've lost loved mm. ones because of COVID and people who've gotten it and found it hard because when you hear about long COVID and what that does to people like it doesn't bear thinking about you know mm. so I'm just absolutely I and I actually think in a way as shit as it is having to communicate via Zoom or FaceTime or text and Instagram DMs sometimes I feel like this year we all kind of let the masks slip a good bit like in a good way where we all kind of said stuff to each other that maybe we wouldn't always just say in casual conversation because we were all like well this is very difficult so how are you really feeling yeah (laughs) you know I definitely had raw conversations with people than I expected you know I think people are um like a lot more um kind of open about um you know their feelings I suppose to a degree like I'd have no problem texting you and like fully telling you you know how I felt and I think as well this year you know I know I know we're kind of going on and, and I know we're, we're going to wrap things up now but I, I actually learned so much this year um because people were given a space because of you know for example the Black Lives Matter movement um and all the different conversations around racial injustice and inequalities around the world and in Britain and in America and Ireland and, and everything and conversations around, you know, LGBTQ rights, particularly trans um, rights and trans mm-hmm. healthcare, and especially over here um, in Britain. I learned so much and I learned, I think the most important thing I learned this year, that the best thing you can do as an ally is just shut up and just platform other people. I don't need to have an opinion on every single thing. If it doesn't affect me, I'm just going to share something I've learned through an article or a tweet that somebody else has posted and I think it was just a big year for just listening to people um who are affected by these things and you know platforming them and sharing their voices I think that was a big thing I've seen a lot from a lot of people this year as well uh yeah yeah I actually think that's such a good point like whether because I just found there was a point where everyone felt they had to because people were kind of bored and at home and probably online more than ever they felt they had to have an opinion on everything yeah. from like, should people be protesting this way around Black Lives Matter to, I don't get trans rights, what's all that about too? Like all these needless COVID hot takes. Like sometimes I'm like, sorry, Susan next door. I don't want to know if you think lockdown's a load of shit. I'd like to hear the actual stats on A, where we are with our cases and B, what are the things we need to do to stay safe? Yeah. Now listen, I believe there's nuance in, is our leadership doing things the way they could? Are we being are we looking after the people who are vulnerable? Like that's a conversation for sure at times. 
but just like you're right sometimes it's okay to not have an opinion on everything yeah. and just signal boost other information and be like I'm listening I found this useful and you might too like there's something to be said for that I think yeah there really is um and I think this was the year that it was it people were just given that bit of space really to just have their voices heard and have those really important conversations and I really hope that continues on forever really you know um but yeah what a year Con. what a year what a year and I must say I mean as you said I'm grateful for people like you and my friends and not to sound corny because this might sound like a hard left or a change in direction but like I'm grateful for like having a platform like this the fact that people still ask us about pop sess about the people listen to me talk about real housewives with a different person every week like little things like that where people kind of just give you a little nod of support like particularly this year when so much about work and life feels so uncertain it is lovely when people give you the little kind of like that was fab now or i wouldn't mind hearing that again you know that's even the reason we're chatting today we're like fuck it let's do something this year you know let's give the people what they want <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like two old panto queens backstage. <laughs> let's put on a show, darling. Put your wig on. Let's get out there. <laughs> well, I have missed I've missed our little chats like this, so it's um it has been absolutely wonderful to be back. Uh, I wish I could see your face, obviously I can't, but I know. I'm fuming we couldn't get the zoom working out of all because <laughs> I do love doing the zoom with each guest, particularly for this one. I was like, I can't wait. I was like, I'm not fucking working, I'm fuming. <laughs> But anyway, we figured it, we persevered, we figured it out. Well, Holly, before you go, where can people find you on the World Wide Web? You can find me on Twitter, it's Holly Shortall, or Instagram, Holly Shortall as well. And that's it. Don't add me on Facebook because that's weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I have this weird thing about Facebook. Facebook. And it's funny, I share far more on Instagram and Twitter than I do on Facebook, but I just have this weird thing with, with Facebook where I'm like, no, that's just friends and family. But no, I'm joking. Add me wherever you want. Um, the more, <laughs> the merrier. All right, and is there, I mean, we're gonna hopefully have this out before Christmas. Is there anything you want to say to anyone listening before the bleeding Christmas? Happy Christmas. Enjoy it, no matter what you do. And I know if you're like me, you won't be at home with your family. You might not have a traditional Christmas and you might not get to see friends or family, but it doesn't mean you cannot still spoil yourself rotten, eat loads of gorgeous food, have a few drinkies if that's your prerogative, and just watch shit your TV and have a bit of a you day or a you two days or three days. Um, just lean into it and make of it what you can. So that's what I'd say. A happy new year. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. That is a Christmas message for the yeah. ages. Well, listen, I'll let you go, Hall, because we've been talking for a while, but Hall, I just wanted to, I want to do this like you're a guest on a regular episode. Holly Shortall, thank you for coming on Housewives and Me. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Con. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bye. That was Holly Shortall on Housewives and Me. Thank you so much for joining us for this bonus episode. Don't forget, new episodes come out every Tuesday. You can subscribe so you never miss an episode. This Tuesday coming, the amazing Emer McLeisett, who is one half of the Ashling books, some of my favourite Irish books. She will be joining us for a chat on all things Real Housewives. So if you liked that but thought I could have done more Real Housewives, normal programming will resume on the 22nd and every Tuesday over the next few months, all the way into 2021. Yes, we're going there. Thanks so much for listening today and for your support of the show over the last few months. If you want to follow along on social media, at Housewives and Me is where you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me on It's Connor Bean on Twitter and Instagram as well. A new episode is winging your way on Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed this little early festive gift. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.